0: Roe Show Productions presents Humble Beginnings, The Undrafted Podcast. Let's go! Welcome to Humble Beginnings, The Undrafted Podcast. I'm your host, Rochelle Hamilton Jr., and this is episode fitted three of The Undrafted Pod. Now, I see a lot of folks, a lot of my friends, they're going through withdrawals, they're going through a mourning period, Over the end of the Game of Thrones series, and I've never seen an episode of the Game of Thrones, and I'm not bragging about that, and I've never seen it. But I'm just saying, I can definitely identify with how you feel because that's exactly how I feel at the end of every single football season. I got the blues. (laughs) Anyway, man, anyway, let's get back on track. I got a good one for you today. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson brought all the smoke yesterday on ESPN's first take, and he offered some insight as to what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers, as well as what led to his abrupt departure last month. The New York Jets. Now, the New York Jets, they reportedly have their eyes set on Peyton Manning filling a key role in their organization after they fired their GM, Mike McCagnon, last week. Now, it sounds real good, but I'm not sure I would take it if I were Peyton Manning. So I'll have my reaction to that. And then, what's the wave with Chef Road Daddy? There's been a format change to this segment, and I am super excited about it. Uh, it's gonna go to a QA style segment, and I'll get into the reasoning as to why and everything else later on in the show. But I am super excited about this format change to this particular segment. And then, this is some bull jive, man. Odell Beckham Jr. is a highly, highly scrutinized professional athlete. But some of his critics crossed the line in a major way over the weekend. I'll tell you exactly what they did and exactly how I feel about it. Well, let's get right into it with The Low With Row. The Los Angeles Lakers. Man, the Lakers have been drowning in drama for quite a while now. And things didn't change along that front when Magic Johnson decided to abruptly step down as Lakers president last month in one of the most bizarre but awesome press conferences I have ever seen. Now, in an exclusive appearance on ESPN's first take yesterday morning, Magic Johnson set the record straight about his time with the Lakers, what finally drove him to step away, LeBron's effect on the team, among other things. Take a listen to some of the clips from this interview.
1: And then I start hearing, you know, Magic, you're not working hard enough. Magic's not in the office. So people around the Laker office was telling me, Rob was saying things and Rob Polinka. Rob Polinka. and I didn't like those things being said behind my back that I wasn't in the office enough and so on and on um so I started getting calls from my friends outside of basketball saying those things now were said to them outside of basketball now not just in the Laker office anymore now it's in the media and so on these are people you trust exactly I respect LeBron for what he's just said, you know, and I I love LeBron. I love his family, what he's done for the Laker organization, what he did for me as the president of the Laker organization. But sometimes as a man, you have to make decisions based on your well-being, right? And I made that decision based on me and my own happiness. And so uh, I could have done it a different way. Yes, he's right. But I did it my way and that doesn't take anything away from our relationship or how I feel about LeBron but sometimes as a man or a woman you got to make decisions based on your own happiness and sometimes you just got to go out and do your thing and that's what I did
0: now my reaction to this interview i loved this interview because this was a very honest open and candid interview by Magic Johnson. I mean, he brought all the smoke in this interview. He named names. He came out swinging straight up, especially on Rob Palenka. Now, with this interview, it just goes to show you how much turmoil is actually going on inside the Los Angeles, uh, inside the Los Angeles Lakers organization right now. But this is what happens when there is no clear leadership present and you have too many chefs in the kitchen. This was one of the main themes in this interview. Now, he started this interview off by thanking owner Jeannie Bus for the opportunity, and basically after that, man, they jumped right into it. Now, one of the things that was eye-opening to me in this interview was when he said he told Jeannie Bus before he even took this job that he had other businesses to tend to because, you know, Magic Johnson, he's a business mogul. He has businesses across the board, basically, and he said he told her he had other businesses that he had to tend to because... Uh, and for the fact that these businesses made him more money than this Lakers job would, he would be in and out of the office. He asked her, was she okay with that? She said yes. Now, this stood out to me because uh, this is one of the major criticisms that Magic Johnson caught from several people, especially people in the media, when this whole episode went down. Now, it's also one of the driving points with Rob Polinka and this whole deal because, see, Rob Polinka was backstabbing, Magic Johnson. Well, according to Magic Johnson, Rob Polinka was backstabbing him. Let me say that. And uh, he, he was talking crazy behind his back. You know, he was saying he was he was he wasn't doing his job right. He was never in the office, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this started getting back to Magic Johnson. And of course, I mean, you know, the dude is a business mogul. So he's got allies and he's got friends literally all over the world across different business aspects. And Magic Johnson, he did what any other human being would have done. I mean, if somebody's talking trash on you behind your back, but this is somebody that you do business with on a daily basis, well, you're not going to want you're not going to want to stick around that person too much longer. I know for some of us, we might actually have to separate ourselves from this person, even if it means leaving this job, because if we don't separate ourselves from this person, we just might end up hurting this person. So for some of us, you know, separation is a really good thing from a source like that. But back to Rob Palenka, you know, the thing is, you know, um, Magic Johnson said he was also warned about Rob Palenka well before he took this job. Uh, but, you know, being the nice guy that he is, you know, he was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, with that, you know, before Magic Johnson tush, took this job, he said, you know, he was warned by agents. He was warned by coaches, uh, NBA officials. Basically, you know, Rob Polinka has a bad reputation around the NBA. Now, that's not me saying that because I don't really know a whole lot about him outside of the fact that he was Kobe Bryant's agent. And he was uh, an agent for several high profile NBA players before he got this job. But, According to Magic Johnson, he was warned by NBA officials, uh, some a lot of agents, and a lot of coaches uh, that, you know, basically about Rob Polinka's reputation. Magic said, you know what, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and uh, we'll see if we can work it out. And he said, you know, everything was good the first year, and he said in that second year, things kind of really started to fall apart. And in the end, it really played out like Rob Polinka wanted Magic's job, and well, now he has it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because Rob Polinka has his job. And we'll see what he does with it. Now, a big part of that story is going to be told on July 1st when free agency kicks off. And that's when the water is going to separate itself from the oil. That's when we're going to see um, if this Lakers leadership that's in place now truly knows what they're doing now. In this interview, he went on to talk about some of the trades that he made. The most notable one that ended up coming up by Stephen A. Smith was uh, the one of D'Angelo Russell, because of how he and the Nets eliminated the Lakers from playoff contention. And well, I won't say that's because of that, but it definitely um, it definitely stood out. That was one of the reasons why it stood out. But you know, if you remember that whole D'Angelo Russell situation with the Lakers, you know, he was hanging out with Swaggy P, you know, Nick Young at the party, and. You know, he was sitting on the couch with a young lady or he was frolicking with a young lady. And he puts the video on Instagram. And, of course, Nick Young, I think he was dating uh, Iggy Azalea at the time. And, uh, you know, that whole deal, you know, he was cheating on her and da 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 Well, after that whole mess, I mean, you know, and here it is. This dude puts the video out on Instagram. He basically snitches on him, you know, on social media, tells the world basically what's going on. Well, after all of that, you know, Magic Johnson said he basically he had no choice but to get D'Angelo Russell out of the locker room. And he's exactly right. Because with something like that, it's just going to make your team toxic because nobody's going to trust this dude. Nobody's going to want to be around this dude. Nobody's going to want to communicate with this guy. So in in a situation like that, he really had no choice but to get D'Angelo Russell out of the locker room. Uh, But the thing that really got me with this interview, man, well, actually, there was a lot of things that got me with this interview uh, because it was a really, really good one. But he said the final straw that drove him away was the whole deal with Luke Walton. Basically, Magic Johnson wanted to fire Luke Walton and bring in his own coach. He wanted to bring in another coach. He wanted to bring in a coach that he felt was better, which is no surprise because that's something that often happens in regime changes. It doesn't matter if you're talking about professional sports or if you're talking about everyday life. Most of the time when management changes somewhere, they want to bring in their own people that fit their vision. And in professional sports, most of the time when a team goes through a general manager change, a president change, something like that at the top, most of them want to bring in their own coach, their own guy, their own woman who fits their vision. And about the only way that doesn't happen is if the coach that's already in place, he's got to be a pretty doggone good or a great coach in stacking up W's. Because outside of that, generally that coach, his head's gonna roll. And in this situation, the, it looked like the same thing was gonna happen with Luke Walton, and it did end up happening with Luke Walton. But Magic wanted to get rid of Luke Walton, but you know, Jeannie Bush, she was listening to too many people, and then you know, ultimately Magic Johnson just ended up giving them the deuces. And the crazy thing is. Um, they ended up firing Luke Walton anyway. Now, the messed up thing about that particular aspect is they lost Luke Walton, and Magic Johnson stepped down from his leadership role, and they still didn't give their superstar LeBron James the coach that he wanted in Ty Lue. And the thing about it was, you know, Magic Johnson said, you know, when he, when he talked to Jeannie Buss about firing Luke, he said, hey, I want to get a better coach in here for X, Y, and Z. According to Magic Johnson, first she said let her think about it. Then the next day she came back and said, okay, go ahead and get rid of him. Then the next day she came back and said, hey, you know, I'm having second thoughts. You know, she had been talking to too many people, and it just got to be a mess. And, again, you know, then they ended up going with their third option at coach, which is Frank Vogel. And it just it's turned into a mess because first they wanted Monty Williams. Well, he spurned him and went to the to the Phoenix Suns. Then, you know, they turned their attention to Ty Lue and then they weren't giving Ty Lue the uh, offer that he wanted. He wanted a five year deal. They only wanted to give him a three year deal. So he told him kick rocks and then they went to Frank Vogel. I still don't understand what all of that was about. You know, I still don't understand why the Lakers are so scared to give their superstar the coach that he's the most comfortable with. I truly don't get that. Now simply put, Magic Johnson just didn't have the power to make decisions that he was told he was going to have when he took this job a few years ago. You know, then after that, they played the cl- uh then after that they played the clip of LeBron James on his show The Shop. He was talking about uh where he reacted to the news that Magic Johnson had walked away from the Lakers and they played that clip. And basically, um, you know, Magic said he respected LeBron's viewpoint and he understands why LeBron felt the way he did. Uh, but, you know, Magic Johnson, he also said, hey, you know what? I left the way I did for my own happiness and I had to do what was best for me. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing right there. And but you know what? With on- Honestly, I can't really say that I blame Magic Johnson for doing things the way he did, because here's the thing. Magic Johnson, he's a human being. And as human beings, we all have limits in this life as to how much we're going to take from something or somebody. It doesn't matter who that person or who those people are. We all have our limits. Even the nicest and most patient of people have limits as far as how much of something they will truly deal with. And when they hit that point, there's generally no return from it. And Magic Johnson, he hit that point with the Lakers. As much as he loves the organization, as much as he loves Jeannie Buss, he hit that point. With the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he did admit now to his credit, he did admit that he could have handled things better. Uh, And then there was also a sentiment that maybe Magic Johnson just didn't enjoy all the ins and outs of being a general manager. And this is another part that I really wanted to hear, because that seemed to be a big part of this story. Uh, as far as speculation goes in the media when all this happened when you're a GM there's all kinds of things that GMs have to do you have to scout guys you got to go to gyms and break down tape and get involved in analytics and deal with contract negotiations and breaking down rosters and things like that etc cetera, etc cetera. and Magic Johnson said he truly enjoyed all of that that was part of the challenge of you know trying to get out those wins that was part of the challenge Of competing. It was just too many people from different parts of the organization that was basically trying to tell him what to do and how to do his job, and they were getting in his way of leading the team with his particular vision. And the simple truth is, you can't run an organization like that. An organization with no vision or no evolution will stay stagnant. That's just business 101 right there. Then he talked about the whole AD debacle, and that's one of the main points I wanted to hear about as well. Uh, you know, he said with the Anthony Davis trade, he tried to keep the details of that uh, under wraps. But Dell Demps and the Pelicans they leaked the details of the trade basically out of spite for the Lakers. But it ended up backfiring because soon after all of that, Dell Demps he ended up getting cut and he took that L. And as far as reports of LeBron being traded, I'm, I mean they they touched, I mean they touched so many areas of ground in this interview. Um, They talked about LeBron, or they talked about the reports of LeBron being traded. Magic Johnson, he swears it won't happen. But you know what? To be honest with you, from my viewpoint, I'm not so sure that it won't happen. And I'm not even so sure that LeBron James won't request it, because if they can't get one of these marquee free agents uh, come July, you know, Kyrie Irving, KD, AD, um, Kawhi Leonard, and I think it's one or two other guys that people are talking about, if they can't grab one of those superstar free agents to pair with LeBron, I won't be surprised if he does request a trade. And I've said that on this podcast a few times. You know, me personally, if it's me, if they can't grab one of those guys, I definitely would request a trade. Uh, but as far as this interview overall, man, this interview was awesome. And if you have time, I encourage you to listen to the whole thing in its entirety. It You know, it was on ESPN, first take. You know, credit to ESPN for getting Magic Johnson to come and open himself up. In this interview, credit to Stephen A. Smith because I think uh, I think Stephen A. Smith was the one that uh, landed this whole deal. So credit to Stephen A. Smith. I-, I love Stephen A. Smith, by the way. Credit to him. Credit to ESPN for pulling this off. That interview is about it's about forty five minutes long, uh, but you'll be able to get the you'll be able to get the facts from the source itself, and it's not just people in the media giving their opinion mixed with the story you can actually hear it for yourself so I encourage anybody out there if you've been following this story definitely check out this interview now as far as the Lakers go it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Lakers in the near future and beyond after all of this finally settles down well let's switch gears to I'm in and I'm out Early Saturday morning, reports started emerging that the New York Jets are targeting quarterback legend Peyton Manning to fill a key role in the front office in the organization. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk said, quote, rumors are flying within league circles, end quote, that the Jets are targeting Peyton Manning to fill their general manager role. A spot that opened up when the team fired Mike McKagan last week. Um, Now, as far as this one, I'm in and out on this news right here. Now, of course, the main component here is Adam Gates, and he's the Jets head coach because he served as Peyton Manning's quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for a large part of uh, Peyton Manning's time with the Broncos. Now, how he got the Jets job, I'm really not sure because Adam Gates didn't do too much with the Dolphins. But that's another story for another day. For the most part, though, this news should come as no surprise because Peyton Manning, he's been linked to several, several NFL related jobs since he retired three years ago. Now, I'm in on this news because I love Peyton Manning. I love, what, I love Peyton Manning, and I love what he did for my squad, the Broncos. I mean, this dude is one of the smartest men to ever set foot on an NFL football field. I mean, this dude, his scouting of opposing players during his playing time is basically unmatched. I mean, because this brother right here could tell you your defense before the ball was even snapped even with a disguised coverage or a disguised look. I mean, he knew which DBs he could attack and where he could attack them. He knew how to put his tight ends and running backs in places that would give linebackers matchup nightmares. Peyton Manning was a bad dude, and... I still like to go back and watch old TV clips and mic'd up segments of him when he would call out his audibles. So with all of that, I absolutely believe he has the brains, the smarts and the knowledge to do this job and do it at a high level. You know, he respects the game of football. He appreciates the game and the NFL and the dude just loves to win. He loves to compete. He loves to prepare. So from that standpoint, Peyton Manning absolutely qualifies for this job. A lot of a general manager's time is spent scouting guys, you know, breaking down tape. Watching countless hours of film, contract negotiations, meetings and phone calls with agents, you know, salary cap management, roster breakdowns, etc. So 18, he can handle all of that, no question. What gives me pause and the reason why I say I'm out on this is simply because of the organization that he would be linked to. The New York Jets are a team that is in absolute disarray right now. They fired general manager Mike McCagnin last Wednesday, a week after the draft. After they let him spend beaucoups of money in free agency, including signing Le'Veon Bell to that big $27 million contract. Then they make Adam Gase the interim GM in addition to his head coach duties. And Adam Gase's first move as acting general manager, he trades Darren Lee, a guy who the Jets took in the first round in 2016, to the Chiefs for a sixth round pick. I mean, bruh you've got to get at least a third or a fourth rounder in exchange for that. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, they straight up fleeced the Jets in that trade. And I mentioned Le'Veon Bell just a little while ago. Now there's reports that the Jets are open to trading him after they just gave him a big contract. Like, bruh, what are the Jets doing? Now, it's bad enough that they're in disarray like this right now, but if they go and they do this, not only will they continue running in circles and catch all kinds of bad publicity, but if they were to trade him, they take a $25 million cap hit with the way his deal is structured. Now, he's due $13 million this year already, so that's an extra $12 million that they're throwing away. And basically, you're just giving money away to the birds at that point. L. Bell is still a superstar running back, and he's an upgrade over what New York had last year. You've already invested all kinds of money on him, so you may as well keep him and see what kind of return you can get. Now, reports say head coach Adam Gase and Mike McKagan disagreed on L Bell's contract because Adam Gase reportedly didn't want to sign a running back to a big contract. And I completely understand all of that. But uh 18, do you really want to get involved with all this? I mean, Peyton Manning has a great deal going on right now with ESPN. He's got that upcoming 30 episode series, Peyton Places. It debuts in July sometime in July. Uh, but, course, but you know, they they released a trailer to it about two or three weeks ago. And, man, it looks like it's going to be a really, really good show. It's this show where he goes all these different places and he meets all these different people that were or are iconic to the NFL and the game of football in general. And it looks like it's going to be a really, really good series. And if you get a chance, get on YouTube and look up the trailer and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and with that job, he gets to spend more time with his wife and kids. You know, and all of that, he's not having to travel and, you know, prepare for games and break down rosters and this and that and the other. He's not having to deal with any of that. And he still gets to kick it with his wife and kids. So if it were me, if I were Peyton Manning after all the time he spent uh, breaking down film and everything else in football and traveling and, you know, just doing what it took to be one of the all time greats. If it were me, I would have to tell the New York Jets. I appreciate the offer. But nah, bruh, I'm good. What's the way with Chef Rodaddy? Now, this is my favorite segment of the podcast because I get to talk about food and health and wellness and all that, especially food. Well, starting today, I'm going to change the format of this segment. And the reason why is I've been getting a lot of questions, um, you know, about how much weight I've lost, you know, what do I eat, what workouts to do, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, finally, I just said, you know what, instead of trying to just answer everybody individually, which I mean, I still don't have a problem doing that. You know, I don't have a problem answering people individually. But, you know, in addition to doing that, maybe I should just change this particular segment to a QA and a segment. And then that way I can answer more questions and reach more people on the same platform. Like, it's a win-win. I, I, You know, so with that, I did a lot of thinking. And, you know, I said, you know what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So... With that, let's jump into some questions. Now, the first question comes from David H., and his question is, how much weight have you lost? And my answer, you know, this is probably the question I get asked the most, in all honesty, and the answer is simply, I have no idea, because I don't weigh. Um, I don't step on a scale, and the reason why is because in the past, you know, when I would do— these weight loss things, you know, if I hopped on the scale and it didn't say what I think it should say as I've been putting in all this work, um, I tended to get discouraged. And a lot of times it will be like, man, you know what? It's not what I'm doing is not working. So you know what? Screw it. And I finally figured out that, you know what? And another reason why I don't get on the scale often, you have to be careful when you get on the scale because the scale does not tell you the full story. The scale is a good like general barometer as to where you're at on your journey. But the scale doesn't give you the full story, because when it comes to weight loss, you're not so much concerned about how much you weigh. You you're concerned about what your body fat percentage is. You're concerned about how much of your body is muscle, how much of your body is fat. Because the thing with weight is, you know, uh, when you just get on a scale, the scale doesn't tell you how much of your weight is water retention. It doesn't tell you how much of your weight is muscle, how much of your weight is actually fat. You know, it doesn't tell you any of that. So I always tell people don't focus so much on the weight. Focus on the body fat percentage because that's where that's where the money is. Get that body fat percentage down because or that's what causes the sickness. That's what causes the diabetes. That's what causes the clogged arteries. Um that's what clo- that's what causes the heart failure, the heart disease, the heart attacks, things like that is the body fat percentage. So the less body fat you have in your body, of course, the better you're, the better off you're going to be. Because for an example, you could take a guy that, you know, let's say you take somebody that's, you know, five foot nine and he's 230 pounds, but he's of that 230 pounds, you know, 35 to 40% of it is body fat. Now that fellow right there, he's got too much body fat on him. You know, that, that's where you have to, you he has to get into the gym. He has to change his diet and this and that and the other. But if you take a guy who's five foot nine and he might be 230 pounds, but he's 15% fifteen percent body fat, well he's got a lot more muscle than the guy I just mentioned. So the guy who has fifteen percent body fat, he's a lot he's in a lot healthier state. So when it comes down to weight, um I honestly can't tell you. Now, now I can tell you that when I started this deal, I was three hundred and fifteen pounds, three one five. But the funny thing is, is that is not my that is not my highest weight. And I'll eventually tell people my highest weight, I'll eventually say it on here, but it ain't gonna be today. It'll be a little bit later off in the uh, journey. Maybe once I hit my goal, I'll tell people what my highest weight was. But when I started getting serious and getting consistent, I was 315 pounds. And um, I know I said I don't get on the scale, but I had to go take a physical for my job a few months ago. And I told the lady not to tell me how much I weigh. And she ended up telling me anyway. And I was just under 225 pounds. I was 221 Uh, was the exact uh, measurement. But I've lost weight since then. And I can't tell you how much weight I've lost. So uh, I could probably tell you, it's, I could definitely tell you it's over 100. But that's really about all I can tell you. I can't give you an exact number. Second question from Jim G out in Colorado. I love Colorado, by the way, and not just because of the Broncos. Like Colorado is a beautiful state. I love Colorado. Um, What kind of supplements do you take? And this is another question that I get asked a lot. And the crazy thing is, I really don't take a lot of supplements. I don't take a lot of supplements at all. I used to take, you know, protein powders and uh, pre-workouts and things like that. But, man, I finally just quit taking a lot of that stuff, especially protein, because my body does not like whey protein, man. My body does not like protein shakes. It doesn't matter what brand it is. It doesn't matter what flavor. You know, I've tried chocolate. I've tried strawberry, vanilla, unflavored. It doesn't matter the brand. I, you know, I I ain't going to name off the brands because I don't want to take a chance of getting sued. But, you know, it didn't matter what kind of brand or what kind of flavor. My stomach just does not like protein shakes. And they don't make me gassy. They don't give me diarrhea or anything, but they sit funny in my stomach and they make me feel nauseous. And it's like my it's like my body has a hard time breaking all that stuff down. I tried eating them with food or like with juice or like a salad or with juice. I tried eating them with like fruit or a salad. I tried putting peanut butter in them. I tried all that, and nothing worked. So I finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to get all my protein from food, chicken, turkey, fish, um, and I'm just going to get my protein like that. And I, I cut out all the protein shakes. I used to take this one uh, pre-workout called Oxyshred, and I liked it because it's caffeine-free. It doesn't have a lot of sugar. Um, it doesn't have a lot of those stimulants in it, but it was, like, super high. So I finally quit taking it. And then, you know, the funny thing is I don't take any pre-workout before I go to the gym. And I still feel the same as I was whenever I was taking that stuff. So I finally just said, you know what, I'll just do without for a little while and then we'll just see how it goes. But I will say with supplements. I'm not telling anybody not to take supplements, but I will say with supplements, be careful what you're putting inside your body, especially with a lot of those pre-workouts, because a lot of them have high amounts of caffeine, a lot of them have high amounts of sugar, a lot of them have high amounts of stimulants, and that stuff can really mess with your heart, it can really mess with your liver, it can really mess with your kidney. So when it comes down to supplements, be careful uh, what you're putting inside your body, Drink a lot of water when you, if you're taking a lot of supplements because that stuff is hard on your kidneys if you don't and to the point where if you're not careful, you can develop kidney failure. So, yes, drink a lot of water. Now, as far as the supplements that I actually take, I only take one supplement, and that is a multivitamin. Uh, it's those Nature's Way Alive for Men, those gummy vitamins. I've talked about them on here before. I love those because they make me feel like I'm eating like some gummy bears or something, but it gives me all my vitamins, A through Z magnesium calcium polynesian or whatever you know all those fancy words it gives me all my vitamins and minerals that i need on a daily basis that's the only supplement i take and i absolutely love it i feel great question number three from a random guy at my gym today and he literally just walked up to me and just asked me um what works best for fat loss weights or cardio and the only the, the easiest way to answer this question here is basically there there's really no I guess I can't really say what works best for fat loss because both of them go hand in hand. The thing with weights and cardio is um now with cardio you can do too much cardio and just like you can lift too much weights. Now, it just really kind of depends on uh it really kind of depends on your body or some people lose weight more efficiently with a little heavier emphasis on cardio. Some people lose weight more efficiently with a little heavier emphasis on lifting weights, but you do need to mix both of them. Now with cardio, if you do a lot of cardio, the thing with cardio is you can lose a lot of body fat on cardio and cardio is a really good way to lose fat and get rid of all that extra energy and those extra calories that stores up in your body because that's what fat is. If you do too much cardio, you can lose your muscle mass. And when you lose your muscle mass, you start having like that soft look. Uh if you've seen people that have lost a lot of weight, especially if they've lost a lot of weight over a short period of time, they kind of have that soft look and they kind of they some of them kind of look funny. And it's going to sound funny, but they it looks like their body has basically like drawn in, but their head size is like still the same. So some people it looks like their head is really big, but their body is like really little, and that's why because as you lose fat, uh if you're on a cardio heavy regimen as you're losing fat you're losing muscle if you're not replacing it by lifting weights or if you're not maintaining it by lifting weights. So when you lose that muscle your body kind of loses its shape a little bit. So the best way to do it man is to really just incorporate weights and cardio. Now me what I do, I hit all my muscle groups twice a week when it comes to lifting weights. And when it comes down to cardio, I do HIIT cardio, uh, high intensity interval training. I do that kind of cardio three to four days out of the week. And when it comes to that cardio, I generally do it about anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes on top of my weightlifting. And because I've lost weight before and I didn't replace the muscle mass and I looked crazy. So uh, and I'm built on a broad frame. You know, I have broad shoulders and all that. So if if a guy like me, if I don't lift weights while I'm trying to lose fat, then it, I'm going to look deformed. And it's, it sounds drastic, but it's so true. So for me, I say the best way to do it is incorporate weights and cardio. When it comes down to cardio, hit cardio is the best. Sprints, you know, sprint for 30 seconds, walk for 30 seconds, sprint for 30 seconds, walk for 20 seconds, sprint for 45 seconds, walk for 30 seconds. Whichever one you choose to do, just do those high intense bursts of energy followed by short periods of recovery that makes your body burn more calories uh, and it makes your body burn more efficiently. And you really feel that burn, man. And you'll see you'll see the difference in the mirror. You'll be able to tell the difference as well in your eating habits because your metabolism will speed up. The harder you make your body work, your metabolism will respond. And when your metabolism responds, and your metabolism speeds up, that definitely lets you know you're on the right path because that's your body burning all that fat and those extra calories and man when it burns that extra calories you end up looking nice real nice. Fourth and last question from Matthew right here in Dallas how often should you do cheat days slash cheat meals and this is a really good question. I like this question because I get to talk about food <laughs> um, as far as cheat days and meals now I can say from my own personal experience I used to do cheat days. And cheat days, man, you know, and I I was one of those people that when it came down to cheat days, I'm like, dude, I'm going to go hard this whole day because, you know, here it is. I've I've basically done well up until this point. Now I'm about to thoroughly enjoy it. And with cheat days, you have to be careful because I would I would advise not to do cheat days. And here's why, because with a cheat day, if you cheat breakfast, lunch and dinner uh, and desserts as well, you can take in easily anywhere from 4,500 to even 6,000 calories um, just in that one particular day. I mean, if you're eating, if you're drinking sodas and sweet teas or alcohol, things like that, you're drinking extra calories in addition to the calories that you're getting from the food that you're taking in. So with cheat days, um, let's say you take in 6,000 calories on that one particular day because you just enjoyed, the hell out of cheat day <laughs> so let's say you took in 6000 calories on this one particular day well if your normal caloric intake is 1600 calories a day which is great that's a great um that's a great barometer if you're if you're on a caloric deficit if your caloric intake is 1600 calories a day well if you multiply 1600 calories a day by 7 days out of the week That's 11,200 calories that you take in over a week, over a week period. But if you do a cheat day that has 6,000 calories in it, well, you've already taken in basically a third of your caloric intake for that entire week. Well, now you have to give your body time to break down all that, all those calories. You got to give your time, you got to give your body time to process all that food. So with that, and generally with cheat days like that, it takes the body anywhere from two to four days to fully recover. So if you take in. um, So with that, you're basically already about halfway through the week before your body gets, you know, fully before your body fully recovers from that cheat day. So if you, and if you do a cheat day like that once a month, you're only getting about three weeks of good caloric maintenance. And th- that other week you're going to spend basically uh, trying to get your body to recover. That will slow down your progress. And I know because it happened to me. So what I started doing is I switched to cheat meals and I just do one cheat meal a month where one day um, out of the month or one meal out of the month, I'll just basically just say, you know what, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. If it's Whataburger, because uh, they got that sweet and that sweet and spicy burger. Oh my God, that thing is like heaven on earth. That, that thing is heaven on your tongue, man. I'm telling you. uh, If it's Whataburger or if I want to go Uh, somewhere and meet with some of my homeboys and just, you know, have a burger and some fries or, you know, get a steak, get a burrito, you know, whatever it is for that one meal. I eat what I want to eat and I drink what I want to drink. If it's a Dr. Pepper, if it's which I generally don't even drink sodas anymore. Generally, if I go out and have a cheat meal, if I get um, anything outside of water, I'll get a sweet tea and I'm not really big on drinking alcohol. So sweet tea is basically my my drink of choice on a cheat meal. That's basically what I do. One cheat meal out of the month and then I'm back on. You know, I'll have like a dessert. Either I'll have a dessert either at the restaurant I'm at or I'll just have something like, you know, some cookies or a piece of cake or a piece of pie um, at that end of the night and then I'm back on. Then the next morning I'm in the gym. And another reason why I don't do cheat days uh, like I used to, because when I would do cheat days, the next day I would go to the gym and I would be sluggish. Oh, my goodness, man. I could definitely tell the difference. And I got tired of feeling like that the day after. So with cheat meals, man, I just had that one meal, that one dessert, and I'm good. I can't even tell the difference when I get in the gym anymore. So, uh, yeah, I I would say cheat meals are your best route to go. Don't exceed two cheat meals uh, per month because you really start to slow down your progress once you start doing one cheat meal per week. For the exact same reason that I just basically explained about the, the, uh, the cheat days one cheat meal a week, you're, you're really throwing a wrench at your body because your body's still going to need one to two days to recover. So, yeah, two cheat meals a month is more than enough for you to get that fix. Well, that's all the questions that I have time for today. But if you have any questions, you can submit them in the DMs on the Undrafted Podcast Instagram page, at the Undrafted Podcast, or on Twitter at Rofa Show Pro. Um, now, I'm in the process of making a Facebook page for this podcast, and I know I'm, like, super late. Uh, but Hey, I'm only one man. So, uh, I'm in the process of making a Facebook page. So once I get that up and running, you can submit questions too. And to my friends that listen to this thing. And I know it's a lot of y'all, if y'all have my number, if you have my number, feel free to text me some questions or you can call me or you can just catch me out somewhere. And I'll be glad to put them on here and I'll be glad to answer them. And for the last segment of episode 53 of the Undrafted Podcast this is some bull jive. Bruh, Odell Beckham Jr. has got to be one of the most heavily scrutinized, if not the most scrutinized players in the NFL. I mean, every time I turn around, there's some crazy report or some rumor out, Odell said this, Odell said that, Odell did this, Odell did that. I mean, can this dude not just live? And then over the weekend, there were these crazy reports and these rumors that were basically questioning his sexuality, which is just cruel and just, which is, yeah, yeah, I mean, that is cruel beyond itself. But these rumors and reports, they blew up to the point that even some national NFL reporters, they basically had to get on Twitter and social media just to dispel a lot of this bull jive. Now, don't get me wrong. Odell Beckham Jr., he's no innocent party when it comes to the headlines. He's had numerous incidents on game day, the outburst on the sidelines, the incident with the kicking net, the yacht trip that him and some other wide receivers took back in January uh, 2017, a week before that playoff game against Green Bay. You know, um, you know, the Jocena Anderson interview last year where he basically called out uh, quarterback Eli Manning. Off the field, he's had his fair share of questionable moments. Perhaps the biggest one was of him in the bed of the hotel room in Paris last year with the Instagram model where they had the pizza and some white powdery substance on the bed. And he's gotten heavily criticized for all those incidents and a few more, and rightfully so. Although I really don't have nearly as big of a problem with uh, most sideline outbursts and tantrums as a lot of other people do. Because here's the thing, when it comes to guys like Odell and sideline rants, there's a huge double standard that is present because when guys like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or somebody threw tantrums and they cuss at teammates and coaches on the sidelines, well, with them, oh, it's passion. He's, that's the will to win. He really wants to compete. That's that competitive fire. But when a guy like Odell does it, all of a sudden he's immature. He's selfish. He's a baby. He's all about himself. He doesn't care about the team, da-da-da-da-da. Now, here's the thing. Odell Beckham Jr. wants to win just as bad as Tom Brady. On the field. Now, because with Odell, you have to remember, he practices hard. He trains hard. His teammates, they swear by him. His teammates love him. And when, now, when it comes to the, the little things, he may do the little things different than somebody like Tom Brady. But I have no doubt that he wants to win a championship just as bad as Tom Brady. And the reason why I say that, because despite all the criticism that I've ever heard about Odell Beckham Jr., not once... Have I ever heard somebody call him lazy? Listen, if people want to criticize him for his on the field stuff, go for it. He's a professional athlete. That comes with the job. If people want to question his attitude and his will to win because of how he travels around with Drake and other celebrities in the offseason, go for it. It's not the way I would do it, but if that's what you really want to do, go for it. That comes with being a high profile person in the public eye. But spreading unnecessary and cruel rumors about somebody just to troll or get clicks on the Internet, especially bringing somebody's sexuality into question, that is ridiculous. That's lame. That's shady. That's petty. That's childish. And that is definitely some bull jive. Well, that's my time for this episode of the Undrafted Podcast. I want to take this time to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for blessing me with the gifts, the talents, the resources to do this podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come and hang out with me. Don't forget, you can follow the Undrafted Podcast on Instagram at the Undrafted Podcast or on Twitter at Row for Show Pro, And you can catch the Undrafted Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, iTunes, and now iHeartRadio. And I want to leave you with the Bible verse today. Deuteronomy 31 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. No, he won't. Remember, do your best and let God handle the rest. Be blessed.